This is Everyday Driver, where we know cars are expensive, but necessary, and have to do a world of things. But we also believe they should be fun. Whatever you need and can afford, we're here to help you find the right car. We're your car friends, your car therapist, and sometimes the bad influence you need. I'm Todd. I'm Paul. And this is The Car Debate. Hello, everybody. Happy Friday. Welcome back to the podcast. And I have to start off by saying I was very wrong about Alfa Romeo because I didn't take oh. one major thing into account. I forgot about the phenomenon going on right now that all car makers have realized. And that is if we make something limited edition and we charge the moon for it. Mm-hmm. We will instantly sell them all to make more profit. I forgot about that bubbling because I keep thinking <laughs> about cars that people can like go buy because they want one. To make a profit because the company's in business to make a profit? No, they're going to make a profit, but this is the new thing. This is the new announced 33 Stradale from Alfa Romeo. This was the supercar we teased on the last podcast. I thought, stupid me, <laughs> it was going to be a car that was like offered in the lineup for sale. Because that's how I think about cars. No, no, no. It's a, a super exclusive <laughs> hyper car and they're all already sold. Right. Because only 33 are being built mm-hmm. and it's got inspiration from the Type 33, the Tipo 33 from years ago. And I'm reading about this. It's spectacular. But yes, it uses that Maserati Natuno engine. So you can choose that three liter V6 twin turbo with 620 horsepower and eight speed DCT gearbox, or you can do the battery electric vehicle configuration for over 750 horsepower range of 450 kilometers. Indicated top speed of, uh, yeah, it looks like a 200 mile an hour car here. I keep thinking about though, this is built on much of the technology of the MC20, which is a quarter million dollar car. Though it's going to have a different body, but I mean, that's yes, the it's engine it's a different of, carbon fiber monocoque. Yes, uh, but my point is like the profit margin on this car is going to be very high. Oh, and yeah. Because they totally. are limited to 33, they're already sold out, which means they don't have to worry about, is this going to have made sense? It's already made sense. <laughs> One of the times we did go to Monterey Car Week, there was a, a Type 33 that won at Quail, I think it was. And I saw a guy driving it around. And it was, I have to admit, one of the coolest looking cars I've ever been near. Yes. Just simply yes. wonderful and absolutely deserved to win. And so what a great car from them to reference. But essentially, <laughs> Alfa Romeo is making a specially bodied MC20, making it limited edition and cashing in the profits. And I did, I, I totally, idiot me, <laughs> idiot me, totally forgot that that's an entire like approach now in the auto industry. Yeah. So it's already sold. So it's got, you can buy a Tonale or you can't buy a 33. Absolutely. This is the business model because it pulls customers in. Well, at least that's the thinking, but Ferrari has done this for years. Hey, we've done this special one-off. That yeah. Daytona that just came out, the SP3 Daytona. Oh, yeah. What? That that actually exists? Mm. Yeah, they just build a handful and that this has been Ferrari's business model. But for the, well, not the first time ever, but I really feel like they're looking at Ferrari but still wanting to sell even less expensive cars, unlike Ferrari, that are the bread and butters, but they but they they have that connection, that history, the racing, the mm-hmm. you know all the things that we love about Alpha and uh, Valtteri Bottas is helping with the the tuning of the the handling and 
Yes, so I'm sure it'll drive every well. Every single piece of this has been done fantastically well. I really appreciate the styling. It's excellently done. It actually reminds me of the McLaren F1 from 30 years ago. The real sure. short rear overhang. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's very successful. I the think design it looks amazing. My, what, what I hate is this is a continuation of a trend that really bothers me, and that is that automakers are deciding if we're going to make a sports car, we're only going to make it super expensive, super limited edition, so we definitely make profit on it versus somebody like a Toyota right now who's making two with the 86 and the mm -hmm. Super. I know they're mm -hmm. co-productions, but follow me. They're making two because they think they can make just enough margin to make it work. And Ford's over here sweating. Can we do another Mustang? Can we afford to? And so this is driving the entire industry to, well, let's just make them all crazy expensive so nobody can have one. <laughs> and then and then here's they're the all sold. Thing. Yes, it, it worked. How many of these will be driven, and how many of these will ever be seen? Is is the ongoing problem? Zero. Yeah, and the other the other issue is the fact that I think on one level it's fascinating that they are offering this in two different drivetrains. Mm -hmm. That that feels like a first. It also feels expensive. A sports car with two completely different drivetrains. However, and I mean EV. Well, I mean Amira and, does that. Well, but but I mean like EV and I mean this has never happened like a full EV and oh, a full sure. ice car. Yeah, that's, the, the that's engineering is totally different. Completely bizarre. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the um, the EV weighs forty uh, percent more than the, uh, the gas car. The gas car weighs 3,300 pounds, which could be argued is already a little bit heavy for a dedicated sports car. And the, um, the electric weighs 4,600 pounds for the electric car. Yes, but the performance is similar because of the torque from the EV. Your straight line performance will be. Crazy. Of course it will be, yes. That just proves we're not there yet, right? No, it, it proves With that what we'd like to see electrics do. EVs yes. for any category, mm -hmm. whether they're super expensive uh -huh. or attainable by most people, we're not there yet in terms of weight. Yes, you're right. The straight line performance will absolutely be there. But you can't hide the weight when mm -hmm. you start doing performance driving no. with these kinds of cars. No, not at all. Which means those versions will just cruise to cars and coffees and uh -huh. they'll be shown and the doors will be popped mm -hmm. and cool looking car. But I can't imagine those are the ones you want to go track. Well, forget tracking. Those are the ones you just want to drive down a back road just, hard. <laughs> that you're seems not going like to. Be careful. Still a little bit too much. Be careful. Yeah. Take your gas-powered version to do that instead. Speaking of other EV crazy things, I, I don't know if you saw this. This was on the drive, but uh, I was reading this today about Lamborghini. It made my blood run cold, okay? Mm, okay? Lamborghini is talking about to, quote, go really crazy with manual torque vectoring in their EVs. They, they are saying that with the new Lanzador... The paddles behind the steering wheels will not be for gear shifts. Lamborghinis, okay, I, I really I can't stress this enough. Crazy is almost the right word. The, <laughs> the paddles are not supposed to be for gear shifts because it's an EV. The paddles will be for you to dial in how much torque you'd like to either the left wheel or the right wheel, which means we will now have people with ridiculous amounts of instantaneous torque trying with a paddle to figure out how to make their car drift. We thought Mustangs were taking out crowds of people. Oh, ooh. This is, I'm sorry, this will out Mustang ooh. the Mustang in that kind of reputation. You have a Lamborghini, you're leaving cars and coffee, you're going to pull a paddle to try to get a bunch of torque to that wheel to, to make it spin, to slide this car. This is a disaster in the making. I'm calling it now. At the very least, this is going to create a lot of YouTube videos. Yes, most of them crash this, videos. Yeah, uh -huh. you're yeah. right. That's astounding. There's even more news coming from Volkswagen Group. 
about the GTI and the Golf R? Did you read the manual mm. transmissions are being discontinued? Yeah. Just, they, they kind of snuck this in there. It was sort of like, oh, and by the way, we're going to discontinue it. So the 2024 GTI 380 is the end of the manual transmission mm. in the Volkswagen hot hatch. Which means That's I wonder it. how much those will be overpriced. Absurdly. Absurdly. But it's not one of the best manual transmissions out there, but it is a manual. How much development dollars is Volkswagen losing by keeping that around? And I would love to see, look, Ferrari stopped doing manuals because 2% of their buyers were buying them. What's the percentage of people buying a GTI or a Golf R in manual? And my, my thinking is if it's 30% or more, why don't you just keep doing it indefinitely? I mean, yes, well, I the, suppose, the, but the, it must not the make DSG business sense. The DSG is faster. Of course it is. The DSG is faster. I get it. This is a loss because this is a storied brand that has been known for that. Hot hatch manual transmission, no longer with manual transmission. That's a bummer. It is. I wonder about future cars, future EVs from Volkswagen, just like Lamborghini is doing. They're going to <laughs> Paddles to, to, to dial in torque? Well, maybe not paddles, <laughs> but the gear shifter... Actually, the lever has mm -hmm. been tried to be reintroduced as kind of a manual Koenigsegg's kind of play oh, with this. Oh, sure, yeah, yeah. Try to get the feeling and mimic the feeling and still bring it back so it will attract customers. But yet, everybody says save the manuals and nobody's buying the manuals. Yeah, see, that That's is what this the key says. thing. Yeah. It's not hashtag mm -hmm. save the manuals. It's hashtag buy the manuals. If you're you right. want them to be around, you're right. buy you're them. Right. Yes. We, we can't just say they're the best thing ever and they offer the best driving experience and then not buy them because that's what's happening. Well, that is that is the internet curse of this discussion is that, you know, from a, from a keyboard warrior perspective, supposedly, if you like cars, you only drive a manual, but not based on what's leaving the lot. No. And what's leaving the lot is what dictates the next 10 plus years. And this is why we were so excited to see that, what was it, just over 50% or right about 50% of the Supras are now being bought with the manual, mm -hmm. which that is absolutely voting with your dollars. That's great. It's absolutely yes. saying, okay, it was worth you making the manual. Thank you very much. But you're right. The hashtag should not be save the manuals. It should be buy the manuals. If we're talking about save the manuals and manual transmissions are the only valid form of an enthusiast car, that means you can't like this new Alpha. True. You're not allowed to love Ferraris and McLarens and Lambos and all the rest. We are willing to you accept can't. all of the above. We are willing to accept all of the above. I, I like driving a manual, but I've driven plenty of incredibly fun cars that don't even offer one. Mm -hmm. So it, 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 not, it doesn't preclude you, but man, let's, let's buy them if they exist. Yeah, bummer that it's going away. I think it's going to come back. It's going to rear its head again somehow and make a return. But as we know it, it's going away. The manual is the, um, the carburetor of our time. There's going to be people that will always like the carbureted car. They like the feel of it. They like the sound of it. They like what it does. Yeah. And so those are going to hang on yeah. to value because it's carbureted, or in this case, because it's a manual. While the rest of the industry moves on, and just like people with carburetors, we know it's better, faster, you know, more efficient. All the reasons why we don't like carburetors, we know that fuel injection and all port injection, all this kind of stuff has done that. Mm -hmm. Great but I like my carburetor. That's the same discussion we're having about manuals. It's only gonna continue. Maybe that's the future hyper supercar. Maybe Gordon Murray is onto something here. <laughs> Gordon Murray's gonna make a carbureted manual <laughs> transmission car with a that's, V12 that's yes. naturally aspirated. <laughs> Maybe that's the next thing. Gordon, are you listening? That's very funny, yeah. <laughs>
When you're cleaning your car after a summer of hard driving, or in our case, a monster road trip, be sure you wash in a cool, shady spot and use the Griot's Garage Brilliant Finish Foaming Sprayer with Snow Foam. I did on the Lotus after our last road trip, and you would not believe how fast and great it looked, and I'm not good at this. You can also just connect the Boss Foam can into your pressure washer, or you can use the Foaming Surface Wash and Polygloss. I sometimes do, I sometimes don't. I'll do one step, just the wash step, or all the steps, and every time it looks great, so you gotta try it. Griot's also just introduced a cordless foaming sprayer. You can create a high foam blizzard with little to no work and avoid wash-induced scratches. This is the safest way to wash your ride. Also, if you've got bug jerky all over the front of your car, try the Bug Ed Smudge Remover right before you wash. And if you've been tracking your car, Track Spray will remove the rubber smears from the tire chunks that can hit your car during your track sessions. Griot's offers wash and detail kits, which make it easy to get the right products all together. Whether you need to start a car care kit or you're breaking out the foam cannon or detailing your interior, Griot's has the right kit for you. Griot's Garage products are 100% guaranteed and all liquids are made right here in the USA. So when you're ordering at griotsgarage.com, use the code EDRIVER for 15% off liquids and 10% off everything else on your order. That's G-R-I-O-T-S. Griots. Enjoy the finest quality car care products you can buy at griotsgarage.com. Asif comes to us with a debate. He's in Dallas, Texas, and asking about BMWs and reliability surrounding BMWs. Are these mutually exclusive? Ouch. Okay. All right. Asif would appreciate our advice on what cars to consider because he currently drives a black 2007 328i with 164,000 miles. Now, wait, what's funny here is every time he mentions driving this car, he puts it in quotes. It's in quotes. <laughs> he, I, I drive it. It's driving because, as he said, it has just decided to be immobile again. His description is that it is immobile in fr front of his house currently, slowly dripping oil into the city street. And his current issue, he doesn't even know what the problem is. But the, but the issue is that he bought this thing and he cannot believe how much it has cost him to keep running. He purchased it in 2009 with 22,000 miles at the heart of the recession, and he got a great deal, and then he moved to Dallas from Pasadena, California. In, in Pasadena, he had a mechanic that knew BMWs that would come to his house, pick up the BMW when there was a problem, take it away, bring it back when it was fixed. Did which you see is, how he referred to his mechanic? His concierge mechanic. Yes. He That's was funny. practically a member of the family because he worked on the thing so much. And then there is what is honestly by itself nearly a two-scroll list of all the stuff he's had to replace that this Pasadena concierge mechanic fixed. <laughs> concierge and now mechanic. he's in Dallas where that guy does not live. That guy is not <laughs> coming to Dallas to pick up the car. So that means that when something happens like this where it's sitting there bleeding in the street, he has to get it to a dealer, and in this case doesn't even know what's wrong, get it to a dealer and get it fixed for unknown amounts, which complicates everything further. And as of this email, he was pulling out of the county tax office with a $200 receipt in his pocket, and Christmas came early because the entire <laughs> dash lit up like a Christmas tree. Oh, man. So he limped home with no AC or working speedometer and a whole bunch of errors cycling through the system. Mm. And he was going to take it to the mechanic this morning as he was writing the email, but the brand new battery died and the trunk won't open, not even with the key. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like your car hates you now. The, Why would this, it hate you? This reminds me, sorry, side note. When I had my Phaeton, okay, there was <laughs> one other one. Is this the start one. of a joke? <laughs> no, it's not. It, it seems like it. Yeah, so a Phaeton walks Back into a bar. When I had my Phaeton. Anyway, but... Uh, the place where we're taking it, Cox Auto, who does great stuff for us, the place where I was taking it, they were actually working on one other Phaeton. And right, I'd, I'd taken it in like 
twice because about every month it needed something. And I asked about the other one, and I was told in the nicest way that they'd asked that owner to not come back because it was in the shop so much. Oh my gosh. And their latest one that was like the, the straw that broke the camel's back is, remember the, the Phaeton had that really elaborate, incredibly well-designed trunk mechanism, right? It was overly complex yes. and spectacular to look at. But it also had two batteries, both of which were in said trunk. Mm-hmm. So if you can't get the trunk open, <laughs> then you can't get to the batteries. And they had had an issue with that Phaeton where they couldn't get the trunk open, but they had to get to the batteries to reset the many, many, many computers. And they had had to take out the rear seat and have one of their techs crawl through the hole of the rear seat to the latch for the trunk. And that was the that was when they called the owner and were just like, please don't bring this car back. Maybe automakers, you should put the trunk latch in the back seat. <laughs> there should be an emergency one somewhere if you're going to store the batteries in there. And by emergency, we mean cable operated. Yes. It's a mm-hmm. manual cable. You just pull it and the entire cable. <laughs> like the old aircraft controls for yes. ailerons. Yes. How about long cables running their way through the entire fuselage <laughs> and you just pull the cable? Well, you know, there's that there's uh, that actual mandate, federal mandate, where you have to have a glow-in-the-dark handle inside a trunk. To pull the latch (laughs) if you're trapped inside the trunk, which is funny, especially when you see them on things like my Lotus Elise, where even like small kids couldn't fit in that trunk and pull the handle. It's a side note, but it's a mandated thing. But what's funny is- But we met the mandate. Exactly. But there's no (laughs) mandate anywhere for, oh, it's an electronic trunk latch and the batteries are in the trunk and you can't get in the car. What do you do? Back to Asif's debate. Anyway, yeah. He has given us all the issues that he's had along with the money that he has spent on this car. Yes, and it's it's staggering. It's a lot. But he's held on to the BMW for several reasons all these years because it was still reasonably fun to drive, especially Mm -hmm. when compared to his wife's Infiniti QX60. They lived in a townhouse with a packed two-car garage Having an old car ease the path, the pain, sorry, the pain. Yeah. Every time his kids would open a car door into the BMW. It's like, oh, okay. Gosh. Okay. All right. That's fine. He writes his minister of finance, operations, and logistics. <laughs> this is in, now an even more upgraded <laughs> uh, office to, to, uh, to be elected to. The MFO and L, he said. That's really great. That's very good. Yeah. She would argue the uh, looks like two grand you spend every year on maintenance would only offset a couple of months of payments on a new car, so you might as well keep it. And so his concierge mechanic made all those issues kind of mm. pain free until you moved away. Kept funding your mechanic, <laughs> his mechanic provided door to door service and the continuous stream of issues, but now they're a real problem. Yep. He was hoping the car would last until the end of the year to give him time to find a new job. Plus, as the car market continues to slow, he's hoping to get a decent deal on a car. He is six feet tall, 160 pounds. He's got two kids, ages six and nearly four, and his wife is five foot three. She recognizes cars by their color, he writes. <laughs> he found her trying to get into a Nissan they did not own the other day because it happened to be the same color as her QX60. And he was like, um... Honey. That's funny. And then she was like, oh, that car's gorgeous. That car actually is really interesting. I like it because that color looks like something from Chanel. And then he looks over and goes, honey, that's an AMG 63 G-Wagon. So of course that's cool. But it was the color that made her interested. So she is not a car person, which is absolutely fine. But this is where the dichotomy happens because she needs something she can drive, which means auto. She's not that interested in cars in general. Mm-hmm. Okay, and he would really like to have something fun, and this BMW, while fun, is clearly becoming an anchor. He writes to us the choices that he's got in mind right now. 
He bought the last car slightly used, so he's not opposed to doing that mm -hmm. again. But mm -hmm. I get the idea you're looking more at new cars. He's looking at a Julia Quadrifoglio. This is mm -hmm. one of his top choices. The MFO and L opposed because the salesperson at the Alpha dealer was rude. I want to come back to that. <laughs> I want to come back to this. <laughs> well, you know what? I, I want to, while we're here. Okay, great. Don't let your dealership experience sour you on a car you know to be great mm. where you can go to a different dealer or buy one slightly used or acquire it differently. Don't let that one experience and that one person you. sour you completely on the whole brand and the whole experience and the whole deal. Thank you. That's that, I was going to say almost the exact same thing. We've gotten emails from many of you over the years that have had this kind of, well, I found this car I loved, but I hated my local dealer. And I was like, yeah, but let's tally up all the time you will spend, even if it's an extra long experience. <laughs> Being in pain at that dealer until you drive away in that car you know you're going to love, that's a terrible way to start the relationship. I get it. But if you know you want that car, the dealer is this blip on the map of enjoyment yes. to follow. You cannot make the decision based on that was a bad dealer experience. Now, I will give you the flip side. If you know your local dealer is terrible and you're going to be in there a lot for service, different conversation. Sure. Well, but it's hard to predict. It is hard to predict. But but the reality service. is we have had multiple. I, I actually had one person wrote us a while back who was found the perfect used car they liked, but they didn't like the person, the individual selling it. I was like, and? Right. I, 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 right. The car checked out. You like the car. It's the right price. You don't like the guy. Who cares? Pay him and go. You, you like the house. Yeah. The the view is amazing. Uh -huh. You don't like your realtor. Uh-huh. Is there anything we can do to get around that? Because you like the house. Yeah. Or, or you don't like the prior owner. Okay. Y exactly. The house is now mine and you go away. Exactly yeah. right. Continuing on with the list, the MFONL is opposed to the BMW M340 because she wants a Sieve to have something roomier. And the M3 is too ugly. We agree. <laughs> the BMW M550 is MFONL approved. You know, can I just can I just say this real quick? No more BMWs. I kind of think no more BMWs no, no, too. No, just just I mean, and, and even if both of those would be great, you know what? Let's just let's walk away slowly from the BMW brand for a bit. I'm let's reset yeah. ourselves. Even if and I and I hope not. Even if whatever's next is also not a good experience, let's have a bad experience elsewhere, okay? Let's just yeah. let no more BMWs for now. Porsche Panamera is on the list. Asif drove this during a Porsche driving event, and he writes, awesome car, mm -hmm. and leaves it at that. Yeah, good, excellent. Okay, also the E63 AMG wagon, the Mercedes, yes, probably too expensive, but pretty great. Pretty awesome, I agree, yeah. Cadillac CT4 Blackwing, no backseat space. The MFONL says Cadillac is for old people and is unattractive. They don't have much space in the backseat, I will give you that. And then okay. this wild card on the list, Asif oh, yeah. Corvette. Asif is not sure how to make this one work, but it would be great. <laughs> if, see, now he's, this is car Now he's justified. Yes, this it is. is. Car of course it is. Right here. Yes. If he kept the 328 running, he could probably get this three-car garage to work because he turned a C8 and it was great. Yes, it's great. Mm. And you'd love it. But you wrote about keeping the 328 and keeping it running. Yes. Well, you're, and your wife already said she's okay with the BMW because it's costing you roughly two grand a year to keep running, but it's but that's less than a car oh, payment. Now gosh. you're talking about a car payment plus the two grand a year to keep the the bad uh. BMW running. I, look, I love the C8. <laughs> we bought a C8. We're, you're covering it like crazy for our road trips right now. It's a very, very cool car. But Asif, I think this is not the right answer. Mm, it's not the right answer right now. We'll just leave it at that. Oh, Maybe I in agree. your future, no, you've I, got a C8 Corvette that. coming yep. your way, but yep. not right now. Now, Asif is open to other ideas, but would prefer to stay away from Korean cars. If he wants bad service and a headache, he would rather buy a BMW or Alpha. Ouch. Ouch. Wow, that was a slap. 
Okay. Yeah. Moving on. All right. Yeah. <laughs> Steve's brother has a Mercedes E43 AMG. And his best friend has a C7, so he should probably stay away from either of those brands so they don't show up to places in the same car. Well, at least not the same car. So, so, same yeah. car, at least. C8 would be different. He could get a different BM- He could get a different Mercedes. I see where you're going. He wants to stay $80,000 or lower. By the way, a shout out to your brother, Yasha, who helped you find the podcast. Yes, Very thank cool you, Yasha. Very cool you guys are listening. You gave a listing of the cars you've had between you and your wife. And here we are. I think, Asif, you've done a really good job of assessing your situation. And I want to come back and hit one more time what we've already said, and that is, you like the Alfa Romeo Giulia Quattrofolio. Mm-hmm. And I'm just going to say, because I'm biased to the car, of course you do. It's awesome. Because you don't like the dealer, if you like the car, get the car. I, exactly. I think that absolutely solves your problem here. I'm not going to stop there, but I think that absolutely solves your problem. I already said no BMWs. The <laughs> Porsche Panamera is a fantastic car that you would like. What does your wife think of that? There's not a ton of hatch space in that car. There's a lot of people space in that car, and they are awesome to drive. And I think coming out of a BMW, you would like that a lot. I have two wild cards for you, Asif. Oh, okay. Because, I look, if you said Julia Quadrifoglio, I'd say congratulations. If you said Porsche Panamera, I'd say congratulations. Both of those are great choices. You could go over to Audi. Spend a, bit, a little bit less than the Panamera world. Get yourself a A7 or S7 or an a5 or an s5 i'm not sure how much backseat space you need you're probably in a7 or s7 like the panamera but different so that's an option in the wild card and then i was just thinking about uh your your trials your maintenance trials doesn't he deserve something dealer struggles and that landed me here lexus is 500 with the v8 see that's on my list I think that's a great wild card. I don't, I, I'm curious about the back seat space, but I think it may be similar to the Alpha. The IS500 is a car that, look, the dealer experience will be good. Any maintenance will be good. It probably will run forever. It's got a glorious V8. It, I, I personally prefer driving the Alpha Julia Quadrifoglio over the IS500. But as far as resetting your, I just like this car. This car just runs. IS500 with that great V8. I like that IS500. The only thing that would prevent me from buying it is that stupid interface. Yeah, the interface it is not good. Sucks. It's, it's, it's horrible. Not good. Yeah, it really is bad. That's uh, if you can get past that, it is pretty striking. The V8 is superb, and the car is really cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, so I'll also say the Panamera is a great choice. Go yep. drive Panameras and go if you can get into if you can squeeze into a Mercedes E63 wagon. They're great. You can hear my applauding from far away. I would applaud you. I would love you to be in that car. I think you would freaking love it because it's like, I just drive a wagon (laughs) (laughs) with a rocket engine in it. Yes. (laughs) But there is a car that I want you to go investigate. And after seeing on your list of other own cars from your car history, you've leased three Lexi. You've currently got the QX60, was a lease and now bought out. Jetta, Kia Spectra, going way back. How about the Acura TLX Type S? Mm. But not just the Type S, the PMC Edition. This is the one assembled by hand with NSX-derived paint options to the striking carbon fiber rear spoiler and diffuser, gloss black badging, and new copper Y-spoke 20-inch lightweight wheels. Mm. The PMC Edition Acura Type uh, TLX Type S. It's built by the NSX technicians. It's sweet. It is cool. You'll be pushing 60, maybe 65, all done. You don't have to spend 80. 
Asif, I desperately want you to have something that isn't attached to a concierge mechanic. <laughs> I just want you to have a cool car that's got it's a lot of power, yep. drives great, and you're happy in it. You can fit in this car too, and you'll just enjoy it, and it'll run It'll just be great. Super yeah. handling all-wheel drive. Like I keep saying, it is a real thing, and it is cool. It is very good. And the and the biggest problem we had with that car in any version that we drove was not enough back seat space, but you have kids six and four. Not a problem. Not a problem. Not an issue. Yeah. And since your wife is into colors and recognizes cars by their colors, this is why I'm suggesting it. Because mm. the PMC editions, the, this is where... It sets it apart. Okay. It's hand-built by the masters, according to the Acura website. Precision crafted everything. And you've got different options, especially this Long Beach Blue Pearl. So did they, oh. I'm sorry, did they stop building NSXs and went, what do we do with those guys? Oh, that, you know what we should have them do? <laughs> you guys aren't busy. <laughs> That's terrible. You've got carbon fiber it's expertise. Happened. It's happened. Come on over here to not the NSX yes. and help us out. Yeah. That's exactly mm -hmm. what they're doing. They're building the hot version, the, the better, cooler version of the TLX Type S, which is already really cool. But this is interesting. And you don't have to spend all the way to 80 grand. So look That's at the good. TLX Type S. Again, just think. How many mechanics you won't be visiting? See, <laughs> you won't go see mechanics. You will not know them by name. And most importantly, they will not know you by name. Yeah, that's true. Scott's writing to us from Toronto with a question we don't often deal with. The question is not which car. The question is, should I get a car at all? <laughs> to a car which is really? or not to car? Yes, which is very interesting. <laughs> he said, longtime listener, big fan of our $8,000 sports car piece, which we did do a really good one on that. We had a great series. If you haven't seen that, it's actually been very, very successful for us that that, that piece, uh, all the cars mentioned there because of COVID pricing spikes are probably about ten grand now, but there's still lots of options out there for what we drove. He said, they find themselves in an interesting situation, he and his wife. They're in their late 20s, living in Toronto, Ontario, and haven't owned a car since they moved up there two years ago. So they've been living in Toronto for two years, dealing with public transit easy enough. They've avoided all the costs of owning a car, insurance, maintenance, etc. All of their life, local life, can be done in Toronto without a car. However, they do spend a couple times a year where they go down to visit their parents. Well, that means they have to Turo a car and put well over a thousand miles on it. They're going from Toronto to either Virginia or Georgia. So that is a, a big Turo rental. Yep. And they've made nice road trips out of it. They've enjoyed it. But they're starting to realize that the cost of that and the rental is starting to be annoying. Plus, sometime in the next couple of years, they are probably going to move out of Toronto, probably back to the States. So this brings us around to, do we need a car? <laughs> After nearly six years of graduate school for Scott, they're approaching dual income status and looking down the road at saving for a home, buying a car again, and having a baby. Congratulations, Scott. They are expecting their first child early 2024. And his wife will get to take a year off for parental leave and get paid a fraction of her salary after that. Wow, okay. Well, he was talking about that Z3 because of the sports car challenge. They both were. They happened to they watch it. Looking at he that. and his wife were both like, well, that would be really cool. And then they were like, <clears throat> baby on the way. Where's, where's the car seat go? Mm, that's a problem. So that's out of the question. So they're looking now for something in that low price range. They could have a car seat and they could make the trek to the States at least twice a year. He said, I be, I'm beginning to look, but he's never stopped looking. You're a car guy. You, I get it. For sure. Mm -hmm. Efficiency is paramount for his wife. Aside from liking a convertible top, she is the perfect car appliance kind of person. Mm. But not having something soul-sucking is paramount for him. <laughs> right. Honey, I know you don't care, but I at least don't want to hate it. <laughs> Please let me get something I don't hate. Yeah. 
If they had 60,000 Canadian to spend, that's the current exchange rate uh, as of this recording is $44,325. Maybe they would copy us and get a new Prius. <laughs> that's interesting, Scott. Yes. Mm -hmm. It is cool. It is cool. I want to clarify that Toyota is not paying us anything for the Prius piece, but they did loan us a car. They just loaned I, us a car. I, they did loan that's us a all. car, yeah. He says that's not in the cards right now, and so the only other requirement is that it needs to be an auto for his wife to drive. So it's a multi-step decision here. First of all, to car or not to car, mm. while they're still in Toronto. Yep. Should they buy now or buy later with an increased budget? I mean, 60,000 Canadians, still pretty good. 44 well, grand, still pretty good. Apparently, they, they don't want to spend that much. 60 grand Canadian is, is the scary part because that would keep him actually looking at a Prius. They really would like to spend that $8,000 for the, hmm. the four-door yeah. Z3 is what they're, what they're looking <laughs> exactly. for. They want the four-door backseat Z3, not happening. Also, number three, if they're buying now, what is out there that will be somewhat reliable with appropriate maintenance, efficient, fit a rear-facing car seat, and be Ooh. within shouting distance of fun? Rear-facing car seat. Is like trying to shove a trash can in the back seat. One mm. of those big, like on your curb trash cans. Right. It's not good. Yeah. <laughs> Prior to moving, he has owned a 2013 Mini Cooper S that he loved and an NC Generation Miata hardtop. His wife has had a Ford C Max that she loved and Scott hated. <laughs> so I was thinking about the Ford right. C Max for you, Scott. And no, no, that's not right. So any help would be appreciated, Scott. I've got ideas for, for you. Really appreciate you watching and listening. And I was wondering if you're. Looking at Prius, we recently had a Kia Nero hybrid mm. that is very clearly targeted at the Prius. It was interesting, and there were some fun-to-drive elements of that. The test drive is coming shortly. And you should know the new Hyundai Elantra and Sonata have been updated, stylistically speaking. They've got new styling, new designs out there, so if that appeals to you, those are worth taking a look at. But we always were surprised that we liked the Civic Touring. The new 11th yeah. generation Civic, the Touring version of that, was just sort of like huh, this should be terrible with a CBT. It's actually not terrible. It's kind of fun. But that has led me all the way to the brand new Honda Accord Hybrid Touring for $38,000. Fully, fully loaded. That's less than you want to spend. And it's plenty of space. And the best part, it's not an SUV. That's kind of fun to drive. We do have a test drive coming on that mm -hmm. very shortly. Mm -hmm. But Todd and I were surprised. We actually kind of dug it. And I've got two Accords in my driving history. I... My very mm -hmm. first car, well, second car. First car was a rusty Jeep, but still. <laughs> We've heard about it, yes. The second yes. car was a Honda Accord in 86, and then I got another Honda Accord after that. And they've just been kind of meh ever since then. Yeah. And this one has what we've discovered in the Civic. Honda is back in just about every category. They are back with something that is interesting and fun, doesn't matter what it is. And that's what we've loved Honda for in the past. You get the base something, base Civic, pretty cool. The Honda Accord is actually really great to drive. But I I have to go just slightly further to the Mazda 3 Turbo Sedan Premium Plus. The fully loaded one is still only 34 grand. That's at least US dollars. Mm -hmm. But again, something a little bit smaller than that Accord, but something interesting to consider and the Turbo makes it very interesting and fun to drive. But as far as whether you should buy now or later, I think you should wait. Mm. You're making it work right now, but I don't think you should wait until you move back to the States. Mm -hmm. I think you mm -hmm. need to keep assessing your situation. And from now for the next six months, eight months, you've got a lot of driving to, to go do because there's a lot more cars coming out between now and then. There's refreshed models like I've just identified. You've got a good amount of time to really land on something. 
but don't have the mindset that this is the forever car. Like we just bought a couch. You're right. You're right. We're gonna yeah, have yeah. this couch the rest mm-hmm. of our lives. Mm-hmm. No, you're not. Nope. That couch is gonna wind up on the curb with a free sign <laughs> exactly. on it. I guarantee you. Yes. Yes, it will. Yes. This is not the last couch you will ever buy, but it's going to be a good one. Not the couch, but the car <laughs> <laughs> that will last you quite a while as your family is uh, launching and growing here. So look at those. You've got great stuff to go drive. And if you wait and the budget goes up, now you get to look at the performance versions of all of those, mm. even though the Civic Type R is only manual. But still, you know, you, hear you get to go look at things. I mean, the Elantra N has a DCT, so there is, you know, interesting. There. You touched on some of the stuff I thought of because here's here's the only confusion point for me on this, Scott, is you said you don't want to spend as much as the new Prius, which was forty four grand for us, which is apparently the more expensive there. You don't want to spend that much. You've got as much as like twelve to fifteen thousand dollars Canadian saved, but you don't really give us the hard stop between those two numbers. So it's so I'm not sure exactly how much you're spending. So I'm I'm gonna. Work this on both sides of the equation. First off, your big problem is that rear-facing child seat. And what you're going to have to do, this is going to be ridiculous, but what you're going to have to do is when you really get down to car shopping, you're going to have to buy (laughs) your rear-facing child seat, and you're going to have to take it to these test drives to see. And you haven't told us how big you are. We don't know how you're going to fit in cars, but, but the reality is how big you guys both are and how big that car seat is, is going to dictate and instantly take some cars out of the equation. And I cannot for the life of me guess which cars, because even though the big rear-facing child seat trash can things, you know, including missiles, they get really big. Mm-hmm. You also can actually shop for the more svelte ones, which will be every bit as safe and actually change the equation again. So what is the, uh, this, is, this is so strange, but what is the rear-facing child seat you and your wife, the mom-to-be, are comfortable with as this is the one we want, and then take it for the test drives, which is going to be ridiculous when you climb off of public transit carrying say, the rear-facing child excuse seat. Excuse me, sorry, Or, or the, me. the other op- opportunity me. would be you, do, you actually just come with your measurements and you just check. You could do that too, yeah. but you're going to have to have some way of checking that out. That is going to change things big time. Uh, one new car recommendation I have for you that I so want you to get is the new Civic Si because the Canadian version gets more content than the U.S. version for well, less money. And I would love you to get it, except for the fact I'm pretty sure it still only comes in manual. Which SIs is a are on the manual, yeah. Which is a All big right. bummer because otherwise the Si would have gotten it done. I did say what you said, Paul, the Hyundai Elantra in decent back seats, yeah. DCT, fun to drive, gets over 30 miles to the gallon, so it's even more efficient because your listing is hard. That is, affordable, fun, four doors, and efficient is really difficult. I do think the Elantra in, we've had many, many people tell us when they've watched our reviews that they have a dual-clutch Elantra, and they average 34. Fantastic. Because they're using it as a commute device. Now, Great. if you drive it like we do, <laughs> you don't get 34. With your foot to the floor, you're not right. going to get 34, but 34 is actually pretty great. Then if you go older, stuff gets more affordable. I'm going to give you 3 as I was tr- I was trying to look at it through the lens of those that $8,000 car comparison we did and wondering, okay, let's go let's go 10 to 15. And what would be things that would match his budget if I were thinking about it through that lens and I've got 3 for you. First gen Lexus IS 300. Those were kind of cool looking and cool to drive. Yeah, yeah. Those are out there. Take the Surpri- car seat when you're measuring on those guys. Oh, yeah. yeah. Surpri- take, you're going to have to on all yeah. these. So surprisingly cool and very cheap now. The mid-2000s, like the 04 to like 09, I think, Acura TL. That was a front-wheel drive, a cord uh-huh. alternative, but it was good-looking, fantastic to drive. Okay, 
miles per gallon. Not great, but okay. had some power. They had some power. They had a V6 under the hood. Those were surprised. Those were ahead of their time then. And they, they are actually pretty affordable now. And I, every one of those I ever drove, I like. This is the, by the way, this is the 04 to 09 range. Right. Before the big parrot beak thing they did with Chrome. It's before that. It's yeah. a very, very good looking car. Yeah. Drive that. And then I also found the Pontiac G8. Rear wheel drive V6s are well within that low budget and they are actually decent to drive. Now you can go all the way up to the GT, which is a V8, and that's cool. I also want you to keep this in mind. You could buy a car in the States. True. Because you're going to be going back and forth. You have that option as well. But I thought of those three as uh, my used car options. Hopefully something here sparks you, but that's a very different range of cars. If you've got a debate like this, write to us, everydaydrivertv at gmail.com. Topic Tuesdays, car conclusions, and your car debates. Great questions on social media. I'm jumping into the question here from Dammit Patton, who was talking with a friend the other day about usable back seats on coupes. Mm. Made him wonder, what coupes actually have usable back seats for someone over five foot four inches who can fit back there? <laughs> okay. The only car they could come up with was the BMW 2 Series, as everything else with two doors has a glorified parcel shelf or seats only suitable for small kids mm. or and, you know, really small kids. We should note that Dammit Patton happens to own a current gen GR86. So he knows of what he speaks. Yes. It technically has yes. back seats, but unless your passenger, and I had this experience with my wife and my son, unless your passenger is, I don't know, low five feet and the person wanting to sit by them is low five feet, there, there's that's a two-person car. I have your car, Andrew, and that is a Maserati. <laughs> Step right this way, oh, sir, no. to the Maserati dealership. The new Gran Turismo, <laughs> oh. which is actually pretty cool. It's got the Natuno engine in it. It's a genuine 200-mile-an-hour car, and it's the perfect go-to-dinner car for mm. two couples. The back seat is enormous. You can see it in the wheelbase. This is an enormous car. It's it a is huge, a car. heavy car. It's a very big car, yeah. But it's the that is funny. perfect go-to-dinner, maybe <laughs> dinner in the next town over. You know, you're in Italy, and let's not just do all the old boring restaurants that we always go to. Let's uh, let's drive up the coast a little ways, and you bomb up the coast in your Grand <laughs> your Turismo. Maserati. Maserati, they make that one. Very, very Crazy funny. enough, they still make one. Uh, Jared is writing in with um, a question that makes me laugh because I love when people ask us questions that are not in our wheelhouse. And this starts (laughs) firmly out of our wheelhouse and then somehow finds what we do for a living. He said he needs medical advice. You've written to the right podcast. (laughs) Sure. Yeah, he said the other day he thought to himself, wait a minute, you know the Hyundai Santa Cruz? What about a Genesis version of that with the V6 from the Genesis G70 and maybe in a color like purple? So his question is, does he have a concussion? Should he seek medical advice? Is something wrong with him? Jared, I actually think this is brilliant. I was trying to think what this would be called. I think it's be, I think it would be called the GV50 because it's not the GV70. It's the GV50. Hmm. And I kind of like purple. And I'm imagining the hmm. Genesis GV70 styling elements with hmm. the the back with the the truck back, I hope it doesn't become the what was it the the Lincoln Blackwood that oh, was the Lincoln F one fifty. That's my ugh. concern is it could go that route. But I think having one of these in a fun color would be great. We had we had the GV seventy that we really liked. We had that good V six with a fantastic red exterior and a, a blue interior. And I I that was I admit, a little weird. I missed the meeting. Where red weird. and blue yeah. are the colors yeah. to go together, exterior, interior. I mean, I've seen the other. Uh, 
version, which is the blue exterior with the bright red interior. I don't get that either. As much as we like our red and blue on this show, right? <laughs> I am not about the, that combination not. for cars. Mm. But you know, purple exterior, maybe like if it was a nice dark purple, and then it, I don't know. I'm thinking like maybe a tan interior, and it's a little nicer than the Santa Cruz. Except my concern is the reason you buy the Santa Cruz is to get it dirty. That's true, but like the Blackwood, this would not be gotten dirty. Like it would most just be Range Rovers. around. Yep. They, that's why they paint Range Rovers just white, because they don't get dirty. Driving it around. Yes. If we act quickly, we can get this in the Neiman Marcus catalog for the special Christmas edition. <laughs> <laughs> Soon, with the right Poltrona Frau leather. The Neiman Marcus yeah. special edition yes. Genesis GV50. Can we paint it a Maserati color? The Maserati Probably. plum mm-hmm. Yeah, and and the, and the cover, the actual tonneau cover that comes automatically on that is going to look like teak deck cover. Yeah. That we've went a horror, horror machine now. Yeah. Yes. We're diseased. Yes. You have a concussion. Bradley J. 1983 learned that McLaren still uses hydraulic steering in their cars. Why do other sports car companies feel compelled to go electric if there are still some holdouts making it work? He understands there are great electric assists out there, but he wonders if the greatest electric can ever match the greatest hydraulic. Mm. I suppose that would be a great comparison. But we never know what the future will hold for great electric power, power steering racks. Yeah. But the reason is, is for the modes. Mm-hmm. They want to be able to offer different modes. And part of that is the steering feel or the resistance, really. Yeah, 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 for sure. And they want to offer different modes from eco, comfort, individual, sport, sport yep. plus. Yep. And all those different modes need to do something with the steering rack. And the best and easiest way to do it is with an electric power steering rack. Compounded further by the fact that lane keep assist is accomplished by having that electric rack. Yes. These yes. two realities, you're right. This is why it And all it the safety systems. Yeah. That is why mm-hmm. all these manufacturers have gone that direction. So if you're buying something that is still hydraulic, like the McLaren, you're buying a specialized version of that car. It won't have some of these safety systems that... Larger manufacturers give the bread and butter cars because that's what the general population is buying. General public is not buying some of these McLarens and Alphas and the specialized kinds of stuff. They're really aimed at a certain clientele, a certain driver who really would only use it in certain situations. That's their thinking behind it, even though, you know, we're out to prove them wrong, but still. Right along these lines, uh, Nope90 asks that he said, hang on, is a fixed steering ratio in general more fun than a variable ratio? He said his, his experience, variable ratio seems to give a more GT feel and a fixed ratio feels more like a sports car feel. What are our thoughts? I agree with you. I think cars with a variable steering ratio, not across the board, but generally don't have a fully connected all the time feel like a, this is just the ratio you get, mm. you know, and, and, because it is changing all the time to accommodate. And don't get me wrong. I mean, Porsche has done some amazing variable steering racks for years. Even hydraulic cars. Your original Cayman had a variable, if, I don't, if I'm not mistaken. And that was a hydraulic steering rack. Mm-hmm. So yes. it's still very good. Yes. Please don't get me wrong. It still feel really good. I just like whatever the steering wheel does is what it does all the time. Parking lots, yeah. high speed, and if you have to focus more because at high speed, it's a little bit too sharp. Okay, that's how this car drives, but I'm weird. Marvin47 asks about the casual 70% category of backroad driving. Do we keep traction control on at 70%? Yes, we do. There's At 70%, there's no points. Traction control isn't really going to kick in at 70%. Mm. Anything above that, we've got to start considering certainly traction control. But if you're doing higher than 70% of performance driving on a public road, on a back road, you really should be on a track. 
And mm. at that point, yeah, traction control goes off for all the track driving. Well, because you don't know, at least in our experience, you generally don't know what trash, when traction control is going to kick on. Mm-hmm. So if you start to lose it, is it going to help? And I would also say, look, I've done plenty of track driving at very high-end Nürburgring Spa and left traction control on because it wasn't my car. It was quite expensive. Sure. And, sure, sure. and so I, I will take the help. But the problem with traction control when you start to find the edges of a car is that the car has a tendency to second-guess you. Yes. And I find that mentally very disturbing. Because I may have screwed it up, but I at least understand how I screwed it up, and I understand whether I can do it or not is a different question. What I should do to solve it, at the car step again, I go, no, no, I got this, I got this. And, sure. But we're talking about the edges on track, which should not be something you're finding on a public road. Yeah, at 70% and under, the car's probably not going to be talking to you. You know, you're still going to be in control, doing your thing, and, and traction control will still be as invisible as possible at that point. But like I said, anything above that, well, then, you know, you're driving faster and harder. So again, you should be on track at that point. Ted Adam Green has a fighting words question, but I agree with you, man. He says, at what point is horsepower numbers and zero to 60 times entirely irrelevant except for bragging rights? Uh, Ted, we've reached that place. We're, they are entirely irrelevant <laughs> at this point because you can stand there and talk about your, your number of your horsepower number with a comma in it is not uncommon anymore. My neighbors, who I have seen based on the things they've owned, don't know much about cars, just bought a Tesla Model X Plaid. Are they the ones with the Chevy SSR? No, that's a different neighbor. Oh. I don't understand. I didn't, I, I've never met that person, but now I need to knock on the door. a text photo of, hey, my neighbor's got a Chevy SSR. I didn't, I, I'm what? astonished. Yeah, anyway, no, so they have a white Tesla Model X Plaid. Okay. And yes. I am sure of two things. It is by far the fastest thing we've ever driven, and they also have no need for it. Yeah. I, I, I mean, blindingly fast, but it's a fantastic bragging rights car. And he says, what do we consider to be a fast daily driver time for zero to 60? He said, anything under sub six seconds, he feels like is fast. You're right. Once you get under six seconds, the level of acceleration you are experiencing. Now, you may have experienced a car that'll do two. And that is, that's almost, <laughs> it's almost nauseating to drive in a car that does zero to 60 in two seconds. It's a bit overwhelming. But anything under six seconds for the average person feels like the car's going quite quick. Mm-hmm. And I think most people's experience is actually more the freeway speeds. How fast does it do 50 to 80? Yeah. That's what most yeah. of us experience. And that's interesting how that changes. So he's just he's wondering about all of these things. We've already reached it, Ted. It's already absurd, but it's not going back because it sells cars. Nate M. on Facebook asks, why couldn't we hear him yelling at his dash when we were discussing potential rivals for Jim Farley's racing challenge? He was yelling Ralph Giles as the perfect person. He crossed my mind, actually. You're absolutely right, Nate. And Chance brought up a great one staring us right in the face. Zach Brown from McLaren. Interesting, yeah. Done and done. I would like to see that. And we even saw Instagram photos of Jim having dinner with Zach during Monterey Mm, weekend. They were all hanging out. And Adrian Newey was there too. They're all was like they're all (laughs) friends. They all like each other and yet they're in F one and they Yeah, the rivals and they're having dinner. They can't have dinner together. (laughs) Michael Witzel on Facebook says he has a twenty thirteen BMW one twenty eight I M Sport six speed manual and he loves it. It's wonderful, 70,000 miles. You haven't had any of the reliability issues we dealt with at the beginning of this podcast, (laughs) and I'm very glad for you. He said he really thinks it's great, but he really would like a low-mile 2017, like, first-gen original. He calls it the OGM2. 
Yeah. He said it's got two, 22,000 miles the one he's looking at. He's got one on, he's already found the M2 he wants. He said, is it worth twice the money of your 128i? Here's my question. Are you okay with the difference in steering feel? Because your 128 uh-huh. is going to have yeah. hydraulic steering and the yes, M2, which we actually really do like, has electronic steering feel. And True. that's and it's not bad. It's just muted from what you're used to. So sure. I think if you get the opportunity to drive that car on some actual corners and think about the steering feel and you're fine with it, I think you're going to like having that M2 a lot. Bob M. on Facebook is test driving a CPO Kia Stinger today. What is the best and worst part of buying from a dealership in our opinion? Mm. Topic the, Tuesday. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> the lists are long in both categories. They really are. It, it's the the before and after, you know. It's everything. You feel sales techniques being used upon you. Mm-hmm. And I'm also the kind of person that enjoys be, having something sold to me. Mm. But it has mm. to be done like a in a, in a professional way. Mm. If I don't know the answer to something, I don't. I just. I don't want to go to Best Buy and ask the difference between two external hard drives and the employee turns over the back of the box and reads the difference to me. I'm like, <laughs> I can do that. A monkey can do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tell me in your experience, when you ask the maitre d' at a restaurant, when you ask your server at a restaurant, I'm trying to decide between these two dishes. They both look really tasty to me. What do you recommend? And when you feel like, you know what? That's a popular dish and a lot of people order it, but you know what's really good? And the mm. chef just got fresh ingredients. Is this one right here? You should go for that one. You mm. feel like I've been sold yeah. and they're looking out for me. Yeah. And yes, we'll try that. And it comes and it's delicious, hopefully. And you feel like, I, yeah, everything was done right. So up until that point, then when you buy the car, it's that after service mm. kind of thing mm. where now you feel like you're fighting the dealership. Whereas before they were courting you. They're wanting your money. They're trying to sell you and you feel the sales techniques, whether they're good or bad and you feel it like, okay, finally. And you don't get the deal you want, but you still buy the car and you, I guess I still want it. But then mm-hmm. when you need something, now you're, now you're against them. They're against you. Interesting. That's that the is, feeling I get. That's tough when that happens. And some dealers aren't that way. Some dealers are known for their service and do great service. For sure. There's and, the exceptions. Yeah, and, and there, and there, here's the thing. There are some people selling cars that know lots about them. True. But unfortunately, there are a shocking number of dealers where the people that are working for them don't know the car. They could sell anything. They would sell anything exactly they the don't same. They know cars. <laughs> yeah. They would sell anything exactly the same. Yeah. And those yeah. are the folks that when I bumped into them, I feel like I'm getting the standard tropes of, well, let me go talk to my manager. You, you know if we can do that deal or not. You don't need to talk to anybody else. Oh, if I, if I write this number down and I circle it, can we agree on this number oh, on this scrap of paper? That. And you're going to go talk to your manager, which means you need to pee. I you're going to go. You're yes. going to go pee. You're going to get a drink from the water fountain. You're going to come back and be like, "Well, I talked to him, and he's willing to." You knew before you left. I don't like any of that kind of stuff. I don't want you to sell me a car like you're selling me a T-shirt or a record or uh, you know what? I need to get you into this barbecue grill today. It shouldn't be the same. I want to feel like. Now, granted, we're freaks for cars. But I want to feel like the person that's talking to me about this car thinks cars are kind of cool. Yeah. And thinks this one that I'm looking at is cool for reason X. I don't even care what the reason is. Just give me a reason why this is cool. And please, dear God, don't turn on the stereo during the test drive. Oh, yeah. Right. Right. You have lost me right there. I hate the scraps of paper. Don't you have some sort of official form? <laughs> yes. They like grab the, the nearest thing yes. out of the uh-huh. copier yep. or something. And it's yep. this 
you know, they turn it, they look at it and determine it's really not important. Like, isn't that an important piece of paper that you just grabbed out the copier? <laughs> I clearly out of the file that, that wasn't important. And you were, now we're using the back of that piece of paper. Uh -huh. We all clearly you've experienced this too. We've it, all experienced I hate this. The scraps of paper. Oh, yeah. And it's a technique. It's like oh, yeah. this thing. Well, it makes it feel so informal and like uh. we're we're actually negotiating. No, you're just writing down <laughs> what you're already gonna sell me the car for. Thank you for all your questions. Write to us. We love hearing from you guys. Yeah. Really appreciate you listening and watching. Please rate and review the podcast when you get a chance on whatever platform that you use to listen. Mm -hmm. It always helps listenership, and we love hearing what you think of the podcast, too. We're always striving to include everybody. Even if we don't get to your debate, we want to debate yours. So write to us. We're looking forward to next time. As always, cheers, everyone.